Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Elizabeth Copeland with Grief Dialogues, and I'm here today with my wonderful co-host, Hallie Williams. And together, we are going to be talking to Mervyn Alexander Jr. in just a minute. But first, I have to say that Mervyn, you are one of my favorite people in the whole world. Mine too. I just, ah! just I've been love waiting for this day. <laughs> just love it. Yes, and I don't know, is it two, two years ago now? Anyway, uh, you so graciously uh, said yes when I had a call for actors to do our play at the time, Honoring Choices, which we did a number of times for Reimagine, one of our sponsors, and for, for um, Honoring Choices Pacific Northwest when we did uh, their program as well, on, all on Zoom, because we had to to uh, suspend live theater due to COVID, but, um, in, and we can talk about this in more detail, but Zoom turned out to be a great platform for it that was. particular show. It was. But, um, uh, but before we get into talking to you a little bit more, I'm going to ask Callie to introduce our sponsors for today's show. So today's show is sponsored by Grief Coach, and you guys know that I am a big fan of Grief Coach. This podcast is made possible in part by Grief Coach Text. Grief Coach sends personalized tips and resources to grievers and gentle coaching to friends and family who want to help but may not be sure how. All via text, all year long. Check them out at grief.coach. That's grief.coach. We love their tech support. And thank you, Will, too. Thank you, guys. And yes, we love their tech support. Grief Coach is awesome. Amazing service. So thank you guys for being a sponsor of today's podcast. All right. So I'm going to, uh, although Mervyn and I could talk to you all day, all night, I'm actually <laughs> going to turn it over to Hallie and let you run right. the show today. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Uh, okay, Mervyn, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So Elizabeth said that you're her favorite person in the world. Um, you yeah. are my favorite person in the world. Like seriously, we this uh, has been on and and to all of our podcast guests, we love all of you as well. Mervin is just has a very special, special, special place in my heart. Um, when I first I've I've worked with Mervin through Grief Dialogues work, and Elizabeth always raves about him. So just automatically i'm like oh great he's a great person <laughs> and then i saw him perform live and um i actually my husband and i went and saw american son in las vegas when we were still living there and we saw him perform live and both of us just i mean like complete sobbing tears you are an incredible actor mervin um yeah. So, and I will try not to be emotional, but, um, well, you're me emotional uh, right no, now. no, really, truly. Um, and, and then I was lucky enough, you know, afterwards I was the weird girl who was like, Hey, I don't know if we've ever met face to face, but I just wanted to introduce myself and shake your hand instead of just send you an email. Um, and he is the kindest soul. I mean, just, and very noble. So, um, anyways, Thank you for just being a great person on this earth. We appreciate Thank good people you. like Thank you. you. So much, um, I Thank you. So I always try to prepare some questions before we talk to people. And quite easily, I could prepare like a 40-page thing. So we'll try not to do that. But how about you tell us a little bit how you got into acting 
and uh, what age and just kind of your story. Wow, Helen. Well, first, let me put it out. I'm 63 years old. <laughs> All right. I've been doing this for over 50 years, mm-hmm. though I didn't know I was doing it. Uh, my <laughs> earliest, I really didn't. Uh, my earliest recollection was when I was nine years old and my mom took me and my brothers and sisters back in those days you can go and see a movie mm. for one price and watch it about a hundred times mm. before they had three and they had a cartoon and, and i remember sitting in the movies that one day and uh it was a movie called guess who's coming to dinner by sydney portier yes you remember that yes oh i remember yeah it. <laughs> well, that's right um i was probably about nine years old okay. um and i remember just watching him on screen. I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't understand right. what I, but I, he was just such a presence. Yes. And it just sparked something in me at the time. Again, I didn't know what it was. Uh, years later, going moving forward, I remember on that occasion asking my mother at least to watch it at least two more times. So I watched that movie three times in that day, which he allowed me to. Um, Time goes on and, you know, I'm going through my high school years now and I'm going to be a pro football player. So Mm. I had no acting on my brain. I was going to be a pro athlete and that was it, you know. (laughs) Well, that didn't happen due to injuries and um, was kind of a rambunctious kid and a cop took an interest in me, a neighborhood cop. That's when they used to walk the beats. They didn't just sit in their car and drive around. They walked the beats and got to know you in the neighborhood. And this one cop who just decided that I was just too wild for my own good Hmm. took me over to the PAL and I was probably about 15 and took me to the PAL and uh, PAL and and fell in and had me perform, basically do a play, do a a poetry. And I got to tell you, from that time on, I've always been seeking you know, theater and uh, community theater is what mm. gave me my spot all around Brooklyn, New York. Mm. So that's how I started pretty much. So probably around the age of 19, 20, mm. that I really took it seriously and really pursued it from there. And and what is PAL? Uh, the Police Athletic League. Oh. It used to be a, play, a great, great organization. Uh, people in my era definitely know that, uh, know what it was. Mm. Uh, it's sort of like the... Uh, See uh, 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 the Catholic Athletic Leagues, uh, Catholic oh. uh, Athletic Leagues, right? right. Um, so it was a neighborhood thing. You can learn boxing, you can learn music, you can learn dance, you can learn, and it was all sponsored by the police unions back then. Oh, that's cool. And this was in Brooklyn. Yeah. It, this is well where I grew up in Brooklyn. Yes, yeah. this is yeah. where. It, but it was throughout the city of New York ah. at the time. So PAL was, yeah, Police Athletic Leagues. And, you know, they just took kids off the streets, kept them off the streets, had tournaments every summer. It was just great. It was great. And it was a great experience for me as a kid. Yeah, definitely kept me out the streets. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So you ended up, um, fast forward, Mm-hmm. Four, well, yeah, you ended up getting involved in some pretty major organizations in your acting yes. career. I'm guessing around the 19 year, which is what you, yes. you said. That's when I took it serious. And, yes. and but I remember at one point when we've talked, you said something you were like, I didn't really realize what I was involved in. So. Right. Right. Who, I didn't. 
I had no clue. <laughs> but I liked it. So tell tell our listeners where who where give us a little resume. Go ahead. <laughs> well, again, uh, most of my early theatrical career, uh, I loved stage. Yeah. Uh, most of my early theatrical career was all community theater. Yeah. So I would go from one community to another community theater all around Brooklyn, Queens, New York, all around the tri-state area. Hmm. And uh, I was introduced to the Negro Ensemble Theater. Okay. It's probably about 1920, 20, yeah, okay. around that age at that time. Wow. Uh, I met there, I met uh, young uh, Denzel Washington. He was there, uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, they were young, they were young. Um, uh, Moses Gunn, who was an older actor then, but he took an interest in me. But the one that really took the interest in me at that time was James Earl Jones. Dad. Wow, Robinson. I just his dad. Wow. His dad. His dad. His dad is the one that really propelled me, believed in I had something mm. and said I need you to continue and not to stop. Uh from there I went to the Ujama uh Black Theater in New York, mm-hmm. Manhattan, New York, that was run by a Titus Walker at the time. Yeah. And uh another one that uh, basically took an interest in me. Uh, actually became a, a sort of like my mentor for right. a while, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that kind of navigated me in and out of theaters throughout New York. Eventually, I uh, decided that I wanted to come to leave and leave out of state and mm-hmm. go to Vegas, come to Vegas, and the rest is history went mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But New York was definitely a, a, a great, 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 great experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, was it afforded me as a kid uh, growing into manhood to be able to touch on so many subjects mm-hmm. that I just thought I was performing. I didn't know it was right. necessarily socially conscious. Mm-hmm. It was definitely necessary, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. All I was doing was playing a character. It allowed me to escape my own realism, my own right. reality. Right. And that was what was really touched me was to be able to uh, have an outlet to mm. escape my own realities and uh, and impact all those emotions into the characters that I was playing. And and that's exactly I'm still doing that today. I'm still doing that. You today. are, and that's exactly why we brought you onto this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, really, my first ex- well, that's not not my first exposure to you acting, but. Um, Mervin's actually done some work for us on Grief Dialogues in our plays. And I, so I know that he's an incredible actor, but when his, um, when you were involved in American Sun in Las Vegas, when I went to see you, that was really like that clicking moment for me. And I was like, wow, I I remember I called Elizabeth from the car, drive home. And I was like, (laughs) we have to have him on our podcast because you're doing important work helping in terms of talking about grief and giving a voice for others. Um, I am, I am so impressed with how you are able to represent it on stage. So our whole theme is out of grief comes art and you just do such a great job of, of really just, I mean, putting your soul down there on, on the floor, on the stage and, and, um, having tough conversation. I mean, so I guess maybe guys, in case you aren't familiar with American Sun, I'm going to read the premise real quick. So just to jog your memory, I think at this point, most people are familiar with the film because it did go on Netflix and Kerry Washington got into it and everybody, yes. then I think that's when people were like, oh, okay. But um, yes. 
So here's the premise. On the night a teenage boy, Jamal, on, I'm sorry, on the night a teenage boy, Jamal, goes missing, his parents, Kendra and Scott, end up at the police precinct. They're trying to figure out what happened to their son, and they end up reopening old wounds concerning race, fear, and their rocky marriage in the process. So Mervyn plays the role of Lieutenant John Stokes, who ultimately works through tough racial conversations and perspectives with Kendra, the wife, while they wait for updates on the status of their son, Jamal. Um, not to be too much of a spoiler alert, but if, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this have seen this um, film. At the end, Jamal is killed by the police, um, and it is just a whole lot of grief and a whole... Not just, I mean, no grief is not sticky, but this one in particular is very sticky. And um, Mervyn plays a hard role in that. And that grief topic, you know, with race, the racial entities and having a son myself and the yes. layers of the society that we're in today um, is yes. very emotional and very hard to unpack. And Mervyn just did it, does an amazing job in his role. So um, when I saw how how you embrace that grief topic i was like we need to pick his brain and 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 think about how art comes out of this for him so i guess my first question around that is how do you approach any acting role that you have that something like this is just such a thick grief story how do you mentally prep for that good question Hallie. it's a great question because every character is different but when you have a character that has to embrace that type of grief, I can't fake that. Um, mm. I can't even pretend that I know what that grief would be like for a mother who searching for a son and ultimately loses her son. I yeah. can only grasp what the emotion would be and embody that emotion. Uh, put myself in that place because my my I have children. I have yeah. sons. I have young black sons. I have uh, a young grandson. Um, and I can only imagine what uh, a parent would go through. You know, it hasn't been my personal experience, but I can only imagine. So I put myself in that place, like as if it has happened to me, right. you know, right. and those are the emotions that I want to bottle up and to, and to obviously to, to give to the audience because it's it's got to be real and raw. So I use that. I use those, uh, my, not so much my imagination. I, I don't want to say that. I, I wanted to say more of my my human feeling. Mm -hmm. It's a human feeling. It is. Mm -hmm. Or mother to cry out for where her son is. Uh, I mean, the young lady that did that role, it was just it's Mitzi at Eastler. She is just, was yeah. just fantastic. And she made it easy for me as an actor to really, you know, converse with her, but, uh, you know, in that role. But it, it's it's a human yeah. thing, you know? Right. And that's my approach when I'm dealing with topics such as that. Yeah. A human approach. So yeah. Misty Easler is an incredible actress as well. We've really got yes, to get her on yes. here. Um, and she yeah. plays, guys, the role of Kendra, which is the mom. And so... Yeah. Um, and. And after the performance, in the very end, when they find out that Jamal has passed, you know, Kendra, the character, lets out this cry, right? Yeah. And every mom yeah. knows, I mean, every parent, let me, you know, um, that is like the cry that I, that I know so well and I never want to ever do, 
right? right. But here's the crazy right. thing. At the end of this performance, she, you know, she cries and the and the lights fade and the curtains drawn and you can still hear her genuinely sobbing. I'm going to cry right now. You can hear yes. her genuinely sobbing from behind yes. stage. You know, everyone comes out yes. and everyone's doing their bows and their claps and everything and you can hear her. She's still going. Um, yeah. I can imagine for you guys as the actors yeah. pulling yourself out of that uh, headspace is a lot of work. Uh, uh, Hallie, I can't begin to tell you. Um, that, that was so real and raw at the end of that mm. play. Yeah. Even when the curtains are drawn and as you stated that we're in the back um, waiting to re-enter the stage, you, it, it just, that doesn't just go away. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it now and I'm like, wow, it's just so much emotion yeah. and so much truth, truth, mm -hmm. truth, truth that we just, you know, especially Mitzi, because she carries it. She's carrying that whole play. Yeah. She's carrying she all the mothers that lost mm -hmm. children. She's mm -hmm. carrying... And and here's the thing, she's she's not a mother herself, you know. Mm, wow. But, uh, wow, uh, really? No, no <gasps> wow. she has no children. But that's that's her profession. She's a right. professional she's a professional actor. Right. She right. is such a professional. Yeah. And um, you know, but when we're in the back and all that raw emotion, because we know every night what's going on, but nevertheless, we're bringing the human element into the whole play. Right. And the human element being with that emotion of grief and loss. And how do you react to that emotion mm -hmm. of grief and loss? And how do you how do you circumvent that? How do you how do you? It, it's an energy. It's an energy that doesn't escape. Yeah. It's just transferred, right? Yeah. Do you feel? And, and do you feel like the stage is a safe place? I mean. Oh, absolutely. I think so. Too. That was kind of a setup question, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> well, like, it's safe for us. Ooh, yeah. Let's put it that way. Ooh. It's safe for us as actors on a stage. Mm -hmm. mm. You could be any person you want. I, I, I currently teach now, and I just tell my students to just tell their truth and embody that in that character with your truth. And you have no reason to fear judgment. You have no reason to fear because the stage is a sacred place which allows us to mold and grow and yeah. whatever that is. And it's just such a freeing of Mervyn Alexander. Yeah. Now John Stokes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I'm not fearing you judging Mervyn Alexander. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I could care less what you think about Mervyn Alexander. It's John Stokes. Right. I want you to feel. I want you to hear. I want you to see, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the beauty of theater. It's to allow us to present a whole other being outside of ourselves. Well, and, like and bring our truth there. And present tough conversations. So, okay, in my other episodes, you guys will hear me talk about how I'm such an advocate of like, let's talk to our kids about death, right? Because I just lost dad and and yeah. I'm, you know, I'm looking at my four-year-old and my one-year-old and I'm like, we got to make yeah. death a normal thing, right? And also just an update for all my listeners, we boiled a frog last week by accident and my four-year-old <laughs> said, oh, the, the frog's dead and i was like oh my god that was so maybe we need to hone this in a little bit um because it was so rash <laughs> i was like oh that's gonna catch someone the wrong way but um but like the whole grief topic isn't so much more than just 
grandpa's gonna die it's coming or the you know the family dog is sick they might pass away it's so much more than that because there's like for me as a mixed woman there are layers and layers of grief from our lineage from the black lineage right that i have to wade through and navigate and i'm not really sure how to talk to my kids about it um so like for example the american son and and the conversation about how to act around the police and where that history comes from and why we have to do it and explaining all of that to my kids when the time is right, maybe not at four years old, right? But eventually he will grow up and then I am going to have to to have that conversation have conversations and i quite honestly i'm not really sure like my, my husband and i look at each other we're like uh how are we going to talk about that mm, I how do we want to go about it i mean like and there's safety things that come to mind there's etiquette there's manners how i raise him there's also like harsh realities of just like in this play this kid really wasn't doing anything wrong he was just being a teenager right like Right. And you know, so, so all of that is a lot to unpack. And I feel like the stage and theater is just an excellent place to have the conversation. And sure. then maybe you bring it back to dinner and say, what do you guys sure. think of the play? And then sure. that can and then start the conversation from there. Absolutely. It's Use all the tools you can. You got two young boys. Yeah. All the tools you have, you know, you use those. Um, I raised three sons and, 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 you know, all black dads and all dads, I'm just going to say dads. Yeah. Of course, you want to equip your sons with life skills. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're growing up in the city. You know, I had to equip my children with some life skills. But I've had mm. that conversation. It's called the talk. Right. Yeah. And uh, talk. it wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely wasn't easy. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, you always have that one kid that's the why, 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 why kid, you know? Why, 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 why? Just, just but why? listen. But why? Don't ask me why. Just right. listen. Why, 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 why? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> that's my middle son, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a middle son. <laughs> but we had to have this conversation because yeah. they were growing up. And they were wanting to be explored. And they wanted their independence now. They were driving now. You know what right. I mean? And just got to kind of equip them. So in your case, Ali, I understand. It's not easy. And it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, so use every tool available. That's all I can suggest you and your husband. Uh, when you're having those conversations, yeah. use every tool available. Recruit some people that mm. can help you with that, you right. know. Mm. Um, oh, good point. And, and just and just be truthful. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I don't. I'm not saying sugarcoat everything, but just kind of you know let them understand the truth behind things. Mm. And mm. Hopefully, by the time your children are in their teenage, approaching their teenage years, we have a whole different world we're living in. It's a beautiful mm. world. We're one would hope one there'll would hope. be no more of this craziness yeah and yeah. no more of this insaneness so that's the hope well, that's the hope for you and your children i think yeah i mean i think every i agree with everything you've said and i just think how important it is that we do i mean i'm so scared that people are saying that humanities and arts are starting to die off and that's part of the reason why we do this podcast because i'm like no 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 they can't because that is our chance to express things that we don't necessarily know how to express. And, Correct. you know, so I think that in your case, theater has served great purpose here. Um, and, and it's not just about 
you know, the police or a black conversation. And yeah. I, I also, I mean, and it's, it's more than just grief and death, but I think that there are right. so many things in this world that we kind of, we all kind of look at each other like goldfish in a, in a bowl, <laughs> like, hmm, who's going to talk about this first, you know? So, right. so I think artists, art, artists are so important to our community because they keep us flowing, keep us mm-hmm. moving. But we have an obligation, I believe, as artists to keep that conversation going. And uh, you are so right, and this part I do find scary, is that it seems that the humanities, which I will use in general to include the arts, which Mm -hmm. is theater and painting and music and and all that, um, that we've kind of deemed it as non-essential as a... uh, Mm. and yet it is the place where we can safely, and I love that analogy that two of you were talking about, you can safely discuss these topics. Um, and, uh, and, and leads me to this question, moving about when, uh, when you're performing a role like, like this one, and it, have people come up to you afterwards to, to talk about the role or... or um, you know, how, how do you prepare? Like you said, you haven't had the experience of losing a son, thank God. But so how do you prepare to, to, for a role like that? Well, in, um, uh, we're talking about American son. Yes. So as far as uh, my role in, uh, uh, American son, Lieutenant John Stokes, he's kind of a hardened guy. Seen a lot. Mm -hmm. Been around. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you. It's sort of like me, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely like me. Uh, so he's, you know, life has happened to him. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of life, and life has happened to him. And uh, he's coming from a place of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think what he does at the end of, during the end, when he finally engages with Kendra, mm-hmm. who's looking for her son, he wants to kind of present to her realities. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now we didn't mention his son is biracial. Her son is biracial. Ah, yeah. Okay. Her right. son is biracial. Right. So it's a whole nother element from the dad side. Kendra, who is black, his father, is white. who is white, mm-hmm. is a whole different dynamic as right. far as how they see life. Mm-hmm. It is. And it yeah. didn't really happen or they didn't really understand it until that night. Ah, and, uh, right. you know, right. the difference. Uh-huh. You understand the how they yeah, the difference is they didn't really mm-hmm. understand it until mm-hmm. that night happened. Mm-hmm. And Stokes, Lieutenant Stokes, who's lived a lot of life, you know, begins to reel all of that in for mm-hmm. them. Oh, but mostly for Kendra, right. because she's black. Uh-huh. And she, he wanted her to, this is the reality. Mm-hmm. You're living in a fantasy, but this is the reality. Right. And right. that's the approach Stokes had. Now, as far as your question, when people approach me, uh, about after the show, they would just say, "Oh, you were so hard. You were so hard on her. You were so mean." Ah, really? You know? I've had that. Wow. I've had that. And I understand it. Yeah, I understand yeah, I can see that. Because it's yeah. truth. See, what they're confusing it with is right. the truth. The truth. Now, so I have a different take on that. I am a biracial woman, and right. I grew up in a predominantly white area, and kind right. of really hit home that I was a black woman when I first hit my 20s and so and that was when I got that's honestly when I got thrown out the nest and then to the rest of the world I was like oh I everyone else sees me as black and in Mm -hmm. my mind I am mixed right Mm -hmm. right but but 
everything that Lieutenant Stokes, where you're saying people say like, come up and say, oh, that's mean and he's hard, right? Well, that's been my reality since I was born, right? And so I heard everything that he was saying and took that very differently. I didn't think that he was mean or hard at all. I can see why people feel that way. I really, I, I have a different perspective. I felt more like he was honest. You know, like when he was saying stuff, I kind of was nodding like, yep. Yep, yep, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> yep, like, right? And so, yes. okay. So that kind of begs the question yeah. about are people maybe a little afraid of the truth? Because I, yes. I, yes, I would say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hit the nail right on the head there, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. No better, in my, in my world, no better phrase has ever been said than this great actor saying, you can't handle the truth. the truth but you know yeah. what yeah. this is why Very this true. is why theater and stage is so important because right. you on, you go on stage the curtain is drawn and then we can lay out the facts and then right. we can draw the curtain and then we can all sit around the table or wherever right and say okay what was your take on that and it's right. not up for i mean you can dispute you guys can go back and forth whatever but the mm-hmm. thing is there it is laid out for you now you tell me your perspective that is, that is the power of theater which is really an amazing opportunity and and to that point then you know you see you have uh, i mean i know you have three sons so did they get involved in theater at all or (laughs) 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 let me just let me just back up and i'm gonna answer your question okay uh, okay so that's the reason why hallie uh when you saw it we have the talk back session Ah, that's so important show so it's raw now mm. you want that's the show right there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> for, for real. Yeah. Yes. We perform this in Northern Nevada. Whole different take yeah. on how people feel here in Southern Nevada. Mm. But it's important. It's important uh-huh. that we had the talk back sessions after each and every show. So we gave the mm-hmm. people the opportunity to bear their truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And with all respect, that's exactly what we wanted. Whether we, whether it was pleasing to our ears or not, we wanted people to have an avenue to express their truth. And and then we can go from there. Now we're having a conversation. So, yes. My sons were with me from the time they were little, like Hallie's kids' ages, going to rehearsals with me and all yeah. of this, but never gravitated toward uh, the theater, which is okay. Yeah, because right. they had their own minds, they had their own, you know, passions. Yep. And, but they've seen that since they were born, they've been seeing me, you know, perform or hearing me performing and things like that. So, no, to answer your question, no, my son's never gravitated toward the arts. So, if they were exposed, Hopefully my grandson will, because he yeah, seems to have a big interest. Oh, good, yeah. good for him. <laughs> One of the things I do think, though, from hearing uh, you're talking about the um, talking about the the uh, importance of the, the talkbacks. Um, actually, I saw a show on Broadway this this past year where I actually thought the talkback was better than the show, um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I won't go into that detail. But however, the the amount that critical thinking 
mm. that I hear coming out of after, yeah. you know, when people see a show like this, um, and not to put your poor sons on the spot, but in, maybe in the exposure, however, to theater, or to, do you think that might have um, stimulated the the knowledge or the importance in critical thinking or what what benefits do you see theater having for you know the average person the average attendee hmm. well uh and, and, and that's true hmm. i think critical you know the critical thinking is very important hmm. um as someone that's interested in the theater um i i would say you know uh you know start somewhere Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. community theater I think that was the best training ground for me you mm-hmm. know you know I've trained in acting over the years but uh, I think the community theater is real because it's your community so you know, yeah. you, know you got your pulse on your community mm-hmm. you know what people like you know what people want to hear you know what people want to you know accept or not accept so you have your pulse on that community right and then you kind of expand yourself and mm-hmm. absolutely um but the, but that's what we do right as mm-hmm. these even in you as a podcast you provoke thought. Right. That's what we want to do is, it is. provoke thought. Provoke. You know, oh, you don't like have to that. agree with me. Right. We don't have to agree with each other, but we can just have that discussion. And I think if we train ourselves or know ourselves as human beings, just human beings, just sit at the table mm. and have a discussion. That's right. We can find out so many things about each other we probably never knew. Right. And realize, hey, we're the same. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. We, there know, it is. There we it cry is. for the same reasons. We we laugh for the same whatever right. that is. Right. But it has to start with the critical thing. It has to start with the convert. All right. Come, come on now. Come on now, Marvin. Taking and me to church. And theater theater affords us that opportunity to do that. It does. You know. I, I usually say you're sitting on the subway, you're riding on the subway, you, you, you know, you still start talking to someone and maybe they're engaged, yeah. you know, but you're having that conversation mm-hmm. on the subway ride, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I think if more of that happened, we'd be living in such a better place. Right. Such a better place. I, I totally, that's, you know, normally at this point in, in our podcast, we ask for recommendations. And in this case, I probably would say, you know, what would you do if somebody really wanted to get in the theater? You However, I think you have it. completely nailed it, talking about theater as a way to um, provoke conversations, you know, provoke. Right. Con- and I, I want to bring out the, you, the, definitely the ways that we would see each other as same at the same time. I think some of these conversations could also be about how we are different and why. Some of the conversations yes. I've had after, like after seeing a play, is understanding what the other person is thinking. You know, why? Where they why did from? they think that that um, Stokes was a hard ass? Yeah. What What's right. their story that they're bringing what's their to story? the table? Right. Right. Yeah. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, we could talk to you for days. I know. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Good, we might, if you we, guys, we will do another episode with Mervin at some point. For definitely. Sure. Um, I, yeah. Can I just say one thing? Sure. I know I know you pressed on time. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me tonight. Oh, thank you course. so, so much. And I got to say, I have been your biggest fan advocate. I am an advocate <laughs> for grief dialogues. Uh, real quick, I just uh, left my brothers and sisters in New York mm-hmm. and uh, and implored them to have start having the conversations with their <gasps> family. Yes, my nieces, my nephews, my in-laws, my yeah. you know uh, brother and sister-in-laws. 
to start having that conversation about what they want. Yes. Mm. That, that brings that tears to my eyes. Bob Thank has you. has changed my life. I got oh, the role of Bob because I was that guy. Well, what do you, I was yeah. Bob. Mm-hmm. What? What yeah. are you talking about? I'm not going nowhere. Right. After that whole show, after us doing that show, mm-hmm. it has changed my life. And I oh. just want to say that I have been nothing Gives but an chills. advocate for grief, uh, grief dialogue. And and it's time. Mm-hmm. It's part of life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had to understand what that really meant. But it's part of life to have those conversations. So I just want to thank you for ever grateful <laughs> for allowing me to participate in that and also for provoking that thought in me. So thank Aww, you. And thank you for adding your artistic talents to have people really resonate and, and stop yeah. at the, I mean, again, I, I know we have to, I know Hallie's saying, we got to wrap this up. But at the same time, I want to point out that that, um, yeah, I can stand up in front of a room full of people and say, hey, it's really important to have a conversation with your loved ones about what you want at the end of life, and nobody will listen. But we have a performance with somebody like you on that stage showing a, you know, a tough but loving father who's in denial about a terminal diagnosis and the the conversations he has with his daughters. And all of a sudden, people are talking about what they want at their own end of life. And it's because of that that art, that that artistic value that you bring literally to the table. So thank you so much um, for your work and for your support, but also for your artistic talents. We will definitely be back. There's a lot more to talk about on this subject. (laughs) yes. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. You guys, Mervyn is everywhere, and he is a working actor, so he is always on something. Um, I will make sure to link, of course, in our description, all of his social media handles, so you can follow him wherever you'd like to. He is on IMBD. IMBD? Okay, here's the thing. I get get it a little mixed up. Okay, he's on... (laughs) I can't say it. I can read it. Um, So he's there. He's there, and of course, um, Grief Dialogues is a big fan of Mervyn's, so whenever he has something coming up, check our social media. Yeah, we will, you know, you'll get a little flyer from us that's like, hey, Mervyn's in a show in Toronto or something. Yes. Um, yes. And you do have some shows coming up, so we will make sure, hey, everybody out there, yep. we will have out there where Mervyn's going to be so you can go see him yourself. Thank wow. you so, so much, ladies. Thank you. Love you guys. Have a great day. Keep spreading the message, keep spreading the word, and keep doing what you're doing. It's necessary. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Mervyn. So that's our show for today's folks. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Have a beautiful Wednesday, and we hope that you do something artistic. Share it with us online. Have a great one.